The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another NFL Fantasy Flex episode of the award-winning Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs. Here with me are Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is the Action Network Director of Predictive Analytics. Chris is a Senior Editor and Analyst at the Action Network, and they are two of the best fantasy football rankers in the world. Week two, uh, it was painful. It was as painful as week one was joyful. And we are moving on to week three. And, uh, of course, in this episode, as always, we are highlighting the players at the top of our rankings, which are live now in our fantasy tool at the Action Network. We were discussing the guys we're high and low on, including daily fantasy values, fades, and tournament plays. For more on DFS, check out our Fantasy Labs models. And as always, we're going to speculate on a couple of prop bets for each position. And joining us in his return to the show is Will Brenson, a senior NFL writer for CBS Sports and the host of the Pick 6 podcast. Will, how's it going? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me back. Uh, it feels like 435 years since my appearance on the show uh, last season. That's what a pandemic will do to you. But uh, pumped to talk some uh, week three. And, yeah. and by the way, in the word to, to paraphrase Bill Belichick, I'm on to DFS. Yeah. That's where I'm at <laughs> after week two. I'm on to DFS. I don't know how much I can salvage uh, having selected second overall in multiple leagues this year. Yeah, I don't remember if uh, you had the beard last year or not, but you are you're full, fully in the quarantine beard. We are a hundred percent bearded podcast, yeah. and, and fellas, it is it is looking good. Uh, so, Will, great to uh, to have you back, and uh, I mean, welcome to the uh, the DFS fold. It's the best thing to do when your your season is already over, starting in week two. Speaking of DFS, I want to remind everyone that you should participate in the best DFS contest on this side of the Atlantic. I'm talking about the Action Network Podcast Tournament of Champions presented by BetMGM. It's a custom tournament on Yahoo exclusively for our listeners, and it's free. You can join by clicking on the link in the show description. The top 10 finishers each week will get over $1,000 worth of Action Network prizes, and the top five finishers each week punch their ticket to the wildcard weekend grand finale where they will compete for the grand prize, a Las Vegas trip for two, valued at $5,000 courtesy of BetMGM. Again, listeners can join for free every week. Click on the link in the episode description to join. All right, guys, let's get into the show. And Will, I want you to kick it off by talking about the guys that you have at the top of the quarterback position. In our rankings, we have Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, and Kyler Murray. Who do you have as your top three this week? That is it. I mean, there. Look, you are you are taking Lamar. I don't think that you can get away from Russell. Actually, you know what? I take that back. I would have Lamar up there. It's the, so the other two guys that I would want to include would be Dak, and uh, because I can't quit him, 
Matthew Stafford, which is probably a mistake because the Cardinals uh, offense uh, defense actually looks good. But I do think Dak warrants inclusion, obviously Mahomes as well. I think that Mahomes can, can put up plenty of stats against the Ravens and what should be a shootout that total is well north of 50. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Lamar, Russ, Kyler, and then maybe throw in Dak. I think that would be maybe a T3 situation. I'm not sure how you can bench Kyler the way he's running the ball. Uh, even if you had Dak as, on, on your bench for Kyler, Russ is untouchable right now because of the way he's playing and the Cowboys defense stinks. And then Lamar is Lamar. He's a, he's a code breaker. All right, Sean, I, I want to kick it to you here because the guy, and it's embarrassing to say this, I, I have a problem, but the guy I have at the top of the rankings is Josh Allen. And I, I did this, you know, put, put everything in the models. He came out as my number one guy. And I looked at it. I was like, this, this is incorrect. And I went back in, tweaked some stuff, and he was still the guy at the, the top. And I should say, there's a separation of like less than half a point between Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson and Cam Newton for me. So like there are like six guys who are all kind of up there uh, who you could say could be in the top three legitimately. And as we see the Vegas lines move, that will impact uh, increasingly who we end up having as the top three. But who do you have as the as your top three guys? And is Josh Allen in there? Uh, Josh Allen just missed it. But yeah, when I was going through the updates, you know, my massive Monday update and Cam Newton was number two for a brief period. Um, you know, I had to update that crazy goal line, you know, play that they run. Uh, his rushing touchdowns are going to be pretty sustainable if they keep that up. So he was number two, and then I was updating the Bills, and then Josh Allen took over number two. And then I got to the Seahawks, and Russ Wilson took over number two. And then I got to the Cardinals, and then Kyler Murray ended up being my number two quarterback. So he's my number two quarterback right now, and Russ Wilson is number three. But you have, you know, Josh Allen, Cam Newton, Mahomes, and Dak all right there. So it's, you know, QB two through seven. You could make a case for any one of these guys to be QB two. I think it just loaded at the top. Um, at QB this year. So uh, it should be a fun week. I think we'll learn a lot this week to see, you know, who should be the top three going forward. But yeah, a lot of talent up top right now. Raybon, where are you on the top three? I got Lamar number one, my guy, Russell Wilson, uh, number two, he's just playing out of his out of his mind. And this has been happening for a while. I have a piece up on actionnetwork.com where I talk about just how good he's been with uh, pretty much the worst O-line in the league his entire career. Uh, and all the other elite quarterbacks have had, you know, Great O-lines. And then I have Kyler, number three. Mahomes, number four. Dak, five. Josh Allen, six. Cam, seven. Uh, and Rodgers, eight. So that's kind of – those eight guys are, um, I think, pretty legit and, and kind of locked in at the top, in the top eight for me. All right. Well, you mentioned uh, Matt Stafford as a guy you're high on this week. Uh, is there anyone else that you're relatively high on? Yeah, I mean, I would say that Ryan Tannehill is a guy that people are probably sleeping on for this week. I, I don't think that uh, everyone has fully grasped how far the Minnesota Vikings defense has fallen this offseason. It, it, it is awful. Like, I, I don't I, – Mike Zimmer just signed a contract extension, so I don't think he's going to get fired. But, I mean, Mike Hughes, they, they you know, they, they put it as their number one guy ostensibly to, to be their top cornerback. They don't have any – veteran depth there you can't run a zimmer scheme with no veteran depth and no pass rush when you also want to be a plotting run team i mean this the vikings are in contention for the number one overall pick i, I legitimately believe that they are that bad kirk cousins doesn't seem comfortable moving from uh you know kevin stefanski to gary kubiak which is very weird and i, I don't think that you will ever see 
Zim open it up. Like he's not going to come out and just be like, you know what? Screw it. We don't have a defense. Let's open it up and play offense. I mean, it's not going to happen. So you could see a situation where Tannehill, and it could be a little touchdown dependent because that's just how he is. He probably won't have a ton of volume, but I think he could easily, he's been very efficient in the red zone over the last year and a half. I think he could easily have a big day at a, at a very, very low ownership. Sean, who's the guy you're high on? Uh, so I already mentioned him, but Kyler Murray is my QB2. He's 6.8 on DK, so you have to take him at that price. You know, he faced the Niners, and then last week was uh, the football team. Two, two pretty good defenses, and now he gets the Lions. So I think we could see a true ceiling game from him. His, his rushing upside has been insane this year, you know, with 91 yards and then 67, three total touchdowns. And just having uh, New Hopkins – gives him a true number one receiver. I mean, he doesn't have to throw screen passes to Larry Fitzgerald and Trent Sherfield anymore. He has a true, legit alpha re- receiver. So, I mean, he should go off this week, and we, we'll see a true ceiling game. Um, and the other guy is, you know, Carson Wentz at 5.8K. He's my QB 11, and yeah, he's been garbage through the first two games. But if fantasy football is as easy as taking the first two games – and copy and pasting it over seven more times, we wouldn't be playing fantasy football. It'd be boring. So I'm expecting him to bounce back this week against the Bengals. If he doesn't, then he's absolutely droppable in season-long leagues because he has the Niners, Steelers, and Ravens up next. So he kind of has to perform in this game or else it's over for him. So uh, I think, you know, Wentz and D-Jax or Jalen Rager, Ertz, Goddard, Stacks are all in play in GPP for me just because I think he'll be under-owned. Um, so th- this is the last chance for Wentz. And he's uh, $5,800 um, as my QB 11. I think he's worth a play this week. Raymond, what about you? Yeah, love Kyra. I think he's going to be the cash game uh, lock. Uh, he's underpriced. Matthew Stafford in that same game uh, at 6.3K. Will mentioned him. Uh, if he gets Gowdy back, which it, it looks like he may, uh, his average depth of target goes up to near league leading or league leading uh, amounts. And that would be a major boost for him in, in a game that has a total sitting around 53, 54. M- Mitch Trubisky, Money Mitch, mm. uh, looks like another game where he could cook. Uh, he's just 5.7K on DraftKings. He's averaging 2.5 passing touchdowns. He's averaging 21 rushing yards. And the Falcons have been the worst defense in the league against uh, opposing quarterbacks. So uh, that's a matchup play where you just kind of hold your nose, but uh, it could end pretty well. Uh, they, they've not only given up five passing touchdowns, 65 of 83 for 772 yards, but they also gave up the, you know, eight for 47 and three on the ground. And, and Trubisky's moving a little bit more. So uh, really like him uh, in this spot as well. All right. A couple guys I like. One is uh, playing on Thursday night football. Gardner Minshew going against the Dolphins. I mean, just slam it. <laughs> I mean, it's the Dolphins are still so bad on defense. And now Byron Jones is out. Uh, I believe, with a, a growing injury. Uh, and so they're once again just starting to to funnel through uh, undrafted guys uh, into that secondary. You have Nick Needham playing uh, slot cornerback. It's just – it's such a great matchup. And I've been really impressed with what we've seen out of Minshew. Uh, he still has the rushing floor, but he has the ability to be pretty efficient as a passer. So really like him. And then I mentioned Josh Allen as the guy that uh, I somehow have number one in my rankings. I'm going to have to adjust this. Uh, but, I mean, he's – granted, he has had two great matchups to start the year. But he's the number one fantasy quarterback right now. The uh, implied total for Vegas is respectable. Uh, he's still running at a pretty high rate. He's still the goal line back, essentially. And 
with Stefan Diggs there, you know, they're throwing the ball and they're playing much faster. So I think he's, you know, in relative to previous seasons, I think he's just getting more opportunities to throw the ball, which is resulting in more yards. Uh, So I'm tentative, but uh, I'm saying like, this is, I think this, this, there's something real with, with Josh Allen. That's, that's all I'm going to say. I don't want to be too bullish on it and then have it come back to bite me. Uh, Will, I think you are low on Josh Allen. If I'm reading the outline correctly, take the <laughs> other side of this. Cause like, it's not hard to identify all the things that could go wrong in this game. And that could go wrong with Josh Allen. Lay it out for me. What's, what's better than having the guy with no model show up and be like, you know, who's not going to have a good week. Josh Allen. You're like, well, that, that, the, I mean, you and, know what? And, hey, once based on how my models have done, no models are probably better. So talk to me. Well, I would say, all right, so here's, I went back and, so Pete Briscoe, I'm on a text thread with Pete Briscoe, unfortunately. And um, we, he is a huge Josh Allen fan. So whenever Josh Allen's throwing bombs, he's texting this thread and he's, he's blowing us up about it. Uh, so I went back last night during the, the Raiders game and rewatched the Bills and Dolphins game. A couple of things about Josh Allen. I am very high on him for the, for the long-term future. I think that he has made significant improvements in, in how he plays. Uh, notably, he's really shortened up his delivery and he's throwing from a bunch of different arm slots. Like he's, he completely changed his mechanics in the off season. It's, it's, it's startling if you really go back and watch it. So he's shortened his delivery, which has allowed him to increase his accuracy. And I think that because of that shortened delivery in the different arm slots, he's hit it. He's being more accurate in short yardage and intermediate passes. And then he's improved his downfield accuracy as well. I mean, it's something he just worked on. It also helps to have Stefan Diggs, who's a great deep ball you know, pass catcher and a great route runner. So I think all those things have really helped him improve. And I do. I believe he's a top three MVP candidate, along with uh, Russ and Kyler right now. I believe the Bills are, an, are absolutely a challenger for the Patriots, even with a healthy Cam. And I think that Josh Allen is somebody you want to hold on to and invest in over the long haul. But I'm going to sell this week because I don't think it's a great matchup. The Rams have a great defense. They changed over and they brought in a first-year play caller to replace Wade Phillips, and they're cooking on defense. The Rams are just good, and I think you're going to see the way that they'll approach Josh Allen, they won't let him run as much. Um, they, will, they will put Jalen Ramsey on Stephon Diggs and force, uh, force him to beat you with Cole Beasley uh, and John Brown. They'll probably use a safety to avoid you know, anything over the top. And they'll ask the Bills to try to sort of run against him with Aaron Donald uh, penetrating the interior. And the one thing about Allen, too, if you watch that Dolphins game again, there are some – a good defense makes him pay. That's the difference in, in what you saw. Like, he threw a pass to a linebacker that hit the dude in the face and the hands in, inside his own – inside, like, underneath the shadow of his own goal line, and the guy drops it. Like, that's an interceptable pick six that could have changed it. And then I also think that you get a little bit of garbage time with the Bills being aggressive late when Josh Allen took a couple of deep shots that I don't know is going to be there every single week. So that's why I'm sort of bearish on Josh Allen this week, but like him over the long haul. All right, Raybon, I think you are also – little pessimistic on Allen this week. Just go ahead and pile it on so we can get it over with. I mean, I, I kind of echo Will's sentiments about that Rams defense. You know, the Rams are a team I thought was undervalued coming into the year. Um, and, you know, they, they've been excellent under Brandon Staley. Uh, if you look at their numbers against uh, Dak Prescott and, and Carson Wentz, two, two of the better quarterbacks in this league, 6.2 yards per attempt, one touchdown, two interceptions. They only allowed three carries to Dak, which, you know, he got 30 yards. One of them was on a scramble in, you know, they were, they were in comeback mode. But, um, you know, 
two carries allowed to Wentz. They're not really letting quarterbacks out, and they're just blanketing receivers with those corners and those safeties. So uh, I do think it's tough. He's priced as a quarterback three. Uh, he's my quarterback seven. So it's, I, I just think that we, you know, the value isn't quite there uh, for him, especially with guys like Russ, Dak in, in the high shootout, um, in the high total game. Um, you know, uh, Mahomes and Lamar in the high total game. You just have uh, – and Kyler and, you know, Kyler in the high total game. You just have a lot of guys that I think, you know, there's 10 points separating – or nine to eight to ten points separating the total in Rams, Bills from the total in some of those other games. So I just think it's a tough spot for him. And Watson is – Deshaun Watson as well, going against that Pittsburgh defense. Um, anyone who's been following me with the betting knows that uh, I don't really mess with this um, Pittsburgh defense. Uh, it is – it was top three in running – versus the running pass in DVOA last season – and, um, you know, Houston's well on its way to its 0-3 start. That's probably going to have to dig itself out of. Uh, and, and I don't want any parts of, of Deshaun this week. Yeah, Ray Bond, I'm with you there on Deshaun Watson. Where do you have him uh, ranked right now among quarterbacks? Uh, he looks like – let's see. He ha- I have him at QB 11. I have him QB 11 right now. Okay. I have him at QB uh, 15, which just feels – incredibly shocking to me uh i i need to just burn my models and start from scratch because i just i can't imagine something that would shoot out deshaun watson at qb 15 but uh will fuller is uh you know going through some injuries apparently and no deandre hopkins things are coming back to earth for deshaun watson and he has that horrendous matchup so uh i'm with you watson is the guy that i'm relatively low on usually we disagreed on the show but i'm actually right with you not only on watson but uh you mentioned gardner Minshew is a guy you like he's currently my qb9 right now so uh right there with you yeah that's exactly where i have Minshew at qb9 sean who's someone that you're relatively low on well i'm also low on deshaun watson i have him uh qb12 he's absolutely off the radar in dfs at 65 uh there and uh you know uh, will fuller even if he does play is going to be less than 100 percent. so going into pittsburgh with um brandon cooks and jordan akins is not inspiring <laughs> confidence in me uh you know deshaun watson will have to um flash his rushing upside to even be matchup proof at this point i mean we already mentioned there's a ton of talent up top so uh, yeah he, he's off the map in season long unfortunately too i would start gardner Minshew over him uh, as well. Um, and the other guy I'm low on is, uh, I mean, it's not too shocking, but Tom Brady at Denver at 6,100. He's my QB 23. So he's completely off the radar in season long for me. I think this is a matchup. They'll be pretty run heavy and conservative, even though Mike Evans and Chris Godwin should be back. You know, they're at Denver um, against a Jeff Driscoll led offense. So they, they should dominate um, this game. I don't think they'll need to lean on the, the pass game as much. We talked about it at length heading into the season that this Buccaneers offense won't be the same uh, with Brady as opposed to Jameis Winston. So I think this is a week where uh, I'll f- be fully fading this Buccaneers offense. As, uh, you know, maybe not Leonard Fournette, but we can get to that later. All right, Sean, uh, give us a player prop for the quarterback position. And by the way, I should say, uh, everyone, you can check out our Fantasy Labs player prop tool where the props with the bet quality of 10 have a 59% win rate over the past two years, which uh, is obviously much better than I did in week two. Oh my, it was literally the worst player prop betting week of my entire existence and any past existences that I might or might not have had. Uh, anyway, when player props are posted, you can bet on them at bet MGM. Sean, 
give us the player prop. Well, I think I picked a good one here because we're going Josh Allen passing yards. It just makes me uncomfortable right now to even project this. So, you know, having you guys, you three all seem to disagree with each other. So this should be fun. But right now I have it at 258 and a half and I don't feel good about it. I'll take the under. I'll take under, the over. I'll, under. Yeah, I'll take the over. I'll, I'll, I'll be the fish here. Miami and the Jets are totally different defenses than one with Jalen Ramsey. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. All right, uh, let's get to the running backs. And the guys at the top of our rankings, I mean, no Christian McCaffrey, no Saquon Barkley. The guys at the top of our rankings, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, Derrick Henry. Uh, All totally three fine players. But, uh, you know, normally there are other guys at the top of our rankings, and now we are forced to move on in this running back apocalypse. Will, who are the guys that you have at the top of your rankings? Yeah, I mean, it's – Henry, like I mentioned the Vikings. I think this is a bounce back spot for him. I think people will be scared of Derrick Henry after last week and that uh, like how the Titans scored 33 points and Derrick Henry. I mean, I guess it just should be obvious when he's 60% owned and like, they've still managed to score 33 points. And, like, he rushes for 84 yards. I mean, that, that's just how DFS works, I guess. Kamara, Kamara, I'm fine with there. I think the guy that, that you could even sneak into the top that, that, you know, and I, I don't, I don't do the weekly rankings, you know, I leave that to Jamie and, uh, and those guys, so I may I may be insane with this, but like Chris Carson is really intriguing to me, and what in a game that should be a shootout because uh, of just how well he's played in the passing game, and we we should expect I think a lot of points scored in that. So like if you think Zeke can be a top tier running back, um, you know why can't Chris Carson? All right, Sean, uh, how did your top three shake out? Yeah, so I have uh, Zeke, Henry, and Kamara, and I think one of the things that gives me pause with Tannehill is just the fact that Derrick Henry has zero touchdowns this year. So, you know, Tannehill has been touchdown dependent. Um, uh, 24 attempts, I think, last game. So, I mean, eventually Derrick Henry's going to get his. So that's why I still have Henry pretty high. You know, it remains to be seen if Darrington Evans returns this week. Henry hasn't really shown as much as I thought he would in the, the pass catching department, but I think he still has some upside there. So I, I still have Henry number two, but Kamara's making a solid case. Right now, uh, without Michael Thomas, I think they're going to lean on him a ton. So I, I think by the end of the week, I could have Kamara number two. But either way, it, it's a three-way battle, and Zeke is clearly number one um, in this potential shootout against the Seahawks. All right, Raybon, what about you? Yeah, I have Zeke number one. I, I love the usage. I like that he's you know getting work in the passing game. I believe Pollard only played about you know under ten snaps last week. Um, you know Zeke was really uh, that work, the workhorse, and Pollard hasn't been working in as much as maybe we thought. Um, and then number two, still Derrick Henry. This Vikings defense, you know, it, it doesn't seem to be getting fixed quick enough. And Derrick Henry is a guy that's still getting pretty much almost every backfield touch. He's getting a ton of snaps. And then Alvin Kamara, you know, he's, he's doing his thing, catching f- footballs. It's a high-scoring game. I believe the total is around 53 uh, in Green Bay and New Orleans with a, a close spread of three points. So that's a, a very good spot for him. 
And and Drew Brees, like he looks off. He looks he he doesn't look good. He looks he looks old, and it looks like the only guy he can really consistently connect with uh, is Alvin Kamara. So uh, expecting a ton more uh, of AK this week. All right, one guy I have in my my top three, Josh Jacobs, and I'm kind of surprised that I have him there, given that we have the the Raiders uh, on the road as underdogs, uh, obviously. Get your odds at Bet MGM in right now. They are five and a half point underdogs, but I think we're going to see the Raiders continue to have a run heavy approach. Uh, I think they're going to be able to keep the game close, and I think you know we're seeing Jacobs actually get more usage in the receiving game than we had anticipated, and so I I have Jacobs in my top three. Uh, Will, I'd, I'd kind of like to get your thoughts on Josh Jacobs and what you see for him. By the way, the other guy that I think could sneak in the top three and wasn't on my undervalued list, but I want to mention, Jonathan Taylor. Like, they're going to feed him against the Jets, and the Jets are terrible. As far as Jacobs goes, you're right. Uh, we were doing a Twitch stream on Sunday, and Nando DeFino of The Athletic was on with me and Adam Azer, and he was saying if you redrafted, uh, he would go with Josh Jacobs as the top three in terms of uh, guys that you would take right now, you know, with McCaffrey banged up and Saquon out for the year, like if you redrafted for the rest of the season. And I thought he was a little crazy because I didn't, you know, I was like, let's, I want to see what happens in, you know, if there's a negative game script against a team like the Saints. Is Josh Jacobs still out there? Is he still catching the passes? Do they go with Jalen Richard? And John Gruden is just going to go with Josh Jacobs. He's going to make Josh Jacobs the receiving back a thing. I, I There was a rumor out there before the off, before the season that Gruden was – irate just incensed that Kyler Murray won rookie of the year instead of Josh Jacobs and that he was going to show everybody what Josh Jacobs could do by unleashing him and like just turning him to a workhorse and using him in the passing game and Jacobs worked on his passing skills um they've targeted him a ton in the in, in the receiving game we know Derek Carr loves to check down so if you know if you're in a situation as a running back you're gonna see targets from Derek Carr in the in the passing game and Jacobs is a workhorse with a very good offensive line that even looked good shorthanded you know, they, they were still moving the moving the like creating holes after Trent Brown was gone and after losing Richie Incognito in the middle of the game. So I, I think Josh Jacobs is yeah, a, I mean, he's a slam dunk week in and week out. And New England's rush defense may be a little vulnerable against this Oakland uh, rushing attack. All right, Will, uh, someone you are relatively high on. I have on this list uh, the two guys I included, sort of more sleeper options, but Kenyon Drake. Uh, and then Daryl Henderson, Drake uh, specifically, I think has played pretty well so far this year, but he hadn't gotten the scores quite yet. I think they've been wanting to feed DeAndre Hopkins for the narrative to make sure that everybody knows DeAndre Hopkins is awesome. And Drake has gone up against the 49ers, who were completely healthy at the time, and the Washington football team. And those are two of the best defensive lines in football when they're healthy, great at stopping the run. And uh, you know who's, who's not good at stopping anybody? The Detroit Lions. So I, I, like, I like Kenyon Drake to get a healthy dose here in this game. I think they could be up by a bunch of points and they're just pounding the ball. Uh, and then Henderson, I've always loved his talent. I don't love the matchup this week quite as much because the Bills are a good defense. But Sean McVay's got something figured out in terms of using motion before the snap. Uh, and he's got the running game cooking again. And Henderson looks like he could be the guy with everybody else banged up. Sean, who's someone you're high on? I am extremely high on Miles Sanders this week against the Bengals. Um, he's my running back five right now. Uh, he's only 6,400 on DK, which is way too cheap, um, considering just his underlying usage last week was a true workhorse. So, you know, with CMC and Barkley out, it, it opens up the top five. So I think that's why it's surprising to me that he's in my top five. But 
um, not when you consider the bloodbath that was week two. You know, he saw 20 carries. One of them was a goal line touchdown, which is huge. Uh, he ran around on 70% of Wentz's dropbacks. Uh, and this is a great matchup. We saw Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt both put up RB1 scores against the Bengals. So I think if Miles Sanders continues this kind of usage, um, you know, he's in a smash spot here. Um, and then the, the other guy is Mike Davis at 5,100. He's, he's my RB23 right now. I think of all the running backs, all the backup running backs that are becoming starters this week, he's probably the safest bet for RB2 value. Um, and, you know, when CMC went down, he basically inherited his full role. Uh, he saw eight targets in just uh, 34% of the routes run. Um, obviously, the target rate will go down, but his, his routes run rate probably will be around 70% this week. He should handle most of the carries, all the goal line work. I think their backup right now is Trenton Cannon, who will probably only be a change of pace back. So while my, Mike Davis, you know, is nowhere near CMC's, um, you know, caliber, I think he will inherit much of that role. So he should see a ton of receptions in what should be a trailing game script. So I do like him in a full PPR format like uh, DraftKings at 5,100 this week. Raybon, who do you like? James Robinson uh, for the for the Jags has handled 36 of the 44 backfield touches. Uh, you know, John Gruden, Jay Gruden, excuse me, has been, a, you know, the coordinator in Jacksonville, has been a guy that's rode with these undrafted guys in the past, and it looks like he's doing that again. Um, you know, they're home favorite against Miami, so it should be a – uh, pretty positive game script in that one. Um, so I, I think you continue to ride him. Uh, and, yeah, the guys that, that uh, you know, Sean and, and Will just mentioned, I think Kenyon Drake is way too treat on DraftKings at just uh, 6K, um, you know, going against the Lions that just went – let Aaron Jones go absolutely off. I mean, it was it was just silly with, with how bad they were on run defense. And, uh, and Miles Sanders, I agree too. You know, look at Cincinnati and what they – uh, allowed to Nick Chubb after we were kind of worried about Chubb, you know, in week one, and he got right really quickly uh, against that Cincinnati defense. Uh, Miles Sanders getting probably more of the workload than we thought he would um, in the passing game for Philadelphia with Boston Scott taking a little bit more uh, of a backseat. And then Chris Carson, yeah, he's in my top seven um, at a running back this week. Uh, when you have Russell Wilson at quarterback and playing like this, hitting and not just hitting like, you know, underneath passes to tight ends, like Russell Wilson's, I think he threw a, a touchdown to all, like four different wide receivers in last week's game. And that's against the Patriots. That's hard to do. Carson has caught, you know, touchdowns in both games. Mm -hmm. So he's getting left open simply because how well Russell Wilson is playing. Uh, and that also is going to help them in the running game. In week one, he had just six carries. Maybe people were a little bit worried. It was kind of a blowout. Uh, but in week two, 17 carries, 72 yards, three more catches, so 20 touches. That's right where he's been his entire career uh, as the starter uh, for Pete Carroll, right, right around 20 touches per game. So um, love all those guys and, and think you keep riding James Robinson as well. All right, a guy I'm pretty high on is Kareem Hunt. What I like about him, well, one, obviously, uh, I think it's a good thing that the, uh, the Browns are favored, uh, just you know, more points uh, that they can score. But the, the big thing is that I think, unlike Nick Chubb, is that he's game script independent. <clears throat> I think pretty much regardless of what happens in this game, uh, he's going to have you know, anywhere from like 30 to 40% of the backfield carries. Uh, and I still think he's going to be targeted as a regular function of that offense. You know, if things don't go according to plan, then I think he could have uh, even more fantasy upside if he ends up seeing a lot of targets. So uh, he's someone I'm much higher on, have him in the uh, like high-end RP2 range. 
Uh, and that's just like not where I was expecting to have him, but because of the, uh, the relatively high implied total because of the consistent rushing workload. And then because of what he's doing as a receiver, uh, he's someone I'm relatively high on and will, as it turns out, I think you are relatively low on Nick Chubb. Just for this week, I'm a huge Nick Chubb stand. So I, I love Nick Chubb. I think he's the top three or four running back in the league. I just, that's how I feel about him. I think he's, when you watch him play, you can see it. But when you look at what's going on with a Kevin Stefanski offense, one of the things I think you can notice is he likes to limit his number one running back to somewhere between 18 and 25 carries. He did it every game last year. Dalvin Cook had one game last year with more than 25 carries. And, you know, we saw it with uh, Chubb against the, the Bengals on Thursday night where he hit 20. And then they brought in Kareem Hunt as like sort of like the like a Mariana Rivera role for lack of a better like he came in and he closed it out right and I just think I think he thinks there's I think there's got to be some sort of analytics about how a running back performs for a certain number of carries and he's utilizing those guys in that in that sense and as good as Chubb is and he can break off a big run I just worry that against the Washington football team with all of their talent on the front four that they can limit him enough and that they might let Baker throw a little bit more in this game totally agree with you there. Sean, who is someone you are relatively low on? Well, as a, uh, a person that has a ton of Boston Scott and Kareem Hunt shares, it pains me to not only be high on Miles Sanders, but I'm also low on Kareem Hunt this week. Especially Sean, if you have to, Sean, <laughs> why? Why, do, why are you doing this to Friedman? He just went like 4-17 so, and 17 on props. Let him I, live. I can't, I can't help it. So, <laughs> I can't help it. So, I mean, believe me, I share your pain. I have Kareem Hunt in almost every league. So, Here's why. Uh, for DFS especially, at 6,100, I can't spend up for him this week. You know, he's just off the RB2 radar. I'm RB26. Uh, but, you know, here's why. You know, last week he was able to crush value based on those two touchdowns, and it was great to see. But, you know, this is the second straight game where Chubb ran a route on more dropbacks than Hunt. Uh, you know, 50% to 33. So this is the second straight week where Chubb has outpaced him in the passing game, which is a very big concern for Hunt. So, you know, as six and a half, seven point favorites here, I think this does set up for a Chubb game, unfortunately. So, you know, Hunt's going to have to keep up that insane efficiency if he's going to be seeing, you know, 10 to 15 touchdowns, hopefully, this week. So that's that's why I'm down, down on him. I think next week at Dallas could be a different story. But I'm going to want to see his his routes run, you know, to pass up Chubb. Otherwise, you know, that, that was the whole point of drafting Kareem Hunt was to be the, the pass catching back. And then potentially if Nick Chubb goes down, he's, a, you know, obviously a top five running back. But just I haven't seen the underlying usage to trust him um, this week in, in what should be a positive game script. So that's that's why I'm low on him. But I think long term, I think he is still, you know, uh, RB2. Um, and the other guy I'm low on, sorry again, <laughs> Freeman, but it's Josh Jacobs. And this is DFS only. So in season long formats, you are absolutely playing Josh Jacobs. He's a top 10 running back, okay? Now that I got that out of the way. For DFS, I, I'm a little bit you know, hesitant to spend over 7K on him until, I think Will mentioned it, until we see a negative game script, how they use him in the passing game because he only ran around 35% of Carr's dropbacks. They, they used Jalen Richard, uh, DeAndre Booker, and Alec Ingold. Uh, they combined for more routes than Josh Jacobs yesterday so I want to be very careful about that um, until we see him perform in a negative game script which it should be this week at New England um, I wouldn't want to be spending that much on him because his underlying usage is more of a two to three uh, reception kind of guy so if he's not going to get the 25 plus carries 
you know, where's that production going to come from? So I'm just a little bit hesitant on him and DFS only season long. You're absolutely playing him. one. I'm totally dead. I'm just slayed Two, Sean. If only we had some sort of document in which you could put in advance oh. players that you're going to talk about, <laughs> we could, and we could avoid this embarrassment that I am oh, now I mean, suffering. <laughs> I am mortified, Sean. Would, it, would, would you have changed your picks if I had these guys in here? Hopefully not. No, no, I, would, I wouldn't. Good, good. Rayvon, who are you relatively low on? I mean, I just want to say, Friedman, like, uh, I, don't, I, I don't think anything can compare to the prop episode when I was like, Cooper Cup, like, to lead the league in touchdowns. And then Mike Clay was like, my number one prop, Cooper Cup, <laughs> under touchdown. It's like, yeah. well, so, so you're, you're, you're good. You're good. Um, yeah. I, I do agree with Sean on, on Hunt, though. I am a little bit worried, too, just because I, the routes run haven't really been there um, over Chubb the way they were last year with, with Freddie Kitchens. Um, they were using Hunt a little more as like a slot receiver. That's not really happening uh, this season. Uh, another player is David Johnson. Listen, this Pittsburgh defense, again, just don't mess with it. And David Johnson, even though he's getting a large percentage of the backfield usage, it's only translated into games of, of, of 13 and 14, uh, you know, around 14 touches each of these past two weeks. So, um, excuse me. 14 and yeah, 14 and 13 touches these past two weeks. Uh, he hasn't topped 11 carries yet. Uh, and Houston seems to be getting a little more pass heavy, uh, especially in these games where they're trailing. And they've only had 27 backfield carries through two weeks. Uh, and it's another tough matchup against Pittsburgh. So Johnson looks somewhat tempting down there at, at 5,400. He'll probably register as a decent value. But um, I, I just think that it's, it's worrisome that, that he's not getting a lot of touches, even though he's getting pretty much all of the backfield usage and, and, uh, and Duke Johnson was out last week. So uh, those are the two guys that uh, I'm a little bit worried about. Sean, I will say about Jacobs, um, I don't know if you saw, but he, he got like banged up and he was like in and out of the game at times. I'm pretty sure he would have gotten like a couple more routes and, and uh, even carries if he was like fully healthy because at one point Jalen Richard like fumbled a toss and like mm-hmm. – it was just ugly. So that's something yeah. to monitor going going forward as well. Yeah, there, yeah. There's no way that Richard gets that touchdown if Jacobs isn't hurt because Gruden was just, I mean, like beside himself after that Richard fumble. And by the yeah. way, you mentioned De- David Johnson. Is it possible that DeAndre Hopkins trade won't work out for the Texans? Because it feels like it might be leaning that way. Perhaps. <laughs> Maybe. Was, just, just a little. Hell, Bill O'Brien. What do you do? It's the dumbest <laughs> trade in the history of football. All right, one guy I'm relatively low on is uh, Joe Mixon. Uh, not a high implied total for the Bengals, uh, and he's not getting uh, nearly the uh, the receiving workload that you would have hoped for. Uh, that said, I'm sure that Sean loves him, given that <laughs> I dislike him. Sean, give us the prop. I do not love Joe Mixon at all. So my prop is Leonard Fournette rushing yards this week. I'm not going to set it up with anything. I just have the uh, over-under at 59 and a half. Under it's it's still Leonard Fournette. He's still like a three point four yard per carry guy. That's not going to get a forty six yard run in garbage time every single week. That was a that was a swing run. I mean, it, it cast the Buccaneers. It cast the over. Uh, it yeah. It it, it, sw- it made fantasy leagues go every which way. I will be very curious to see if Ronald Jones is given one more reprieve from the Bruce Arians doghouse or the Tom Brady doghouse because that fumbled snap. But the handoff, the fumbled handoff, he didn't come, I don't think he came back in. Like, I think he was out after that fumbled handoff. It was all in it for net. I just sort of wonder, I think they, I think they like Ronald Jones. 
And so I just sort of wonder if we might see a little Ronald Jones. I, I don't know. I, I'll take the under on Leonard Fournette. I don't trust Uncle Glenn. Okay. I mean, as uh, an original Ronald Jones fan, I would say I don't think they like Ronald Jones because if they <laughs> did, I don't think they would have drafted Keyshawn Vaughn or uh, signed um, LaShawn McCoy and then Leonard Fournette. Uh, that said, Sean, I will take the under, but just barely. Mm. I have this at, I think, 59 is, is yeah, the projection. Yeah, okay. How so, many uh, yeah. rushing yards do you have Ronald Jones for then? Because that's really the, the prop is the split between the two. I have him at 36. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're, we're very close then. And also remember the um, that defense for the uh, Broncos is pretty was pretty good against the run. In week one, they held Henry to one sixteen on just thirty one carries, and then in week two, Connor had a fifty nine yard run at the end of the game, uh, but the other fifteen carries went for just forty seven yards. And, and Benny Snell three for five, so they they pretty much gave up one big play in the run game. Uh, and that's it. So it, that's concerning for a guy like Fournette because, like, you don't expect Denver to give up another 59-yard run and Fournette to get another 46-yard run. Like, in right, the- yeah. No, I, I agree. The matchup's not great, but I just think this game script will be pretty run-heavy. That's why I'm trying to get it right. I, I would say the, the top two um, teams I hate projecting the most when it comes to backfields, number one is the Lions and number two is the Bucks. So I'm just hoping we get some clarity here. So it's just the Lions that I get a headache projecting. But I think you're right. I, I, I go either way. But uh, I think that that fumble, like Will mentioned, could be the door uh, that Fournette's going to just plow right through and become the, the main running back going forward. That Bucks broncos under might be a smash spot. Yeah, yeah. I've already taken Broncos team total under, so I'm, I'm right with you, Will. <laughs> and we, we're already conceding that Jeff Driscoll will be the Nets in DFS this week, right? We all agree on that? Yeah, okay. <laughs> No. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid sport. <laughs> Up next, we have wide receivers. But first, let's take a quick break to talk with Peter Jennings, a.k.a. CSE Ram 88, a two-time DFS world champion and co-founder of Fantasy Labs. Pete, how's it going? Doing great. Uh, week two was a big success in tournaments with Aaron Jones. Uh, Amari got the 100-yard bonus. Unfortunately, didn't get a touchdown, but... Very excited uh, for week three where I think there's a ton of value and a lot of directions to go. All right. Well, how are you approaching cash games? So cash games, we're going to have a lot of cheap running backs. I think there's a clear cut option on DraftKings at quarterback, which we'll talk about. In general, I think there's going to be some pretty obvious chalk that uh, I played last week in cash, lost last week in cash, but uh, there's going to be some strong pivots in tournaments, which uh, hopefully one or the other will work out. All right, well, you mentioned tournaments right there. What are you doing for GPPs? GPPs is going to be game stacking and getting off some of these cheap running backs, paying up at running back, uh, getting off some of these chalky receivers, and uh, probably going away from the quarterback who I think is going to be extremely chalky, but for good reason. All right, well, why don't you mention that quarterback? Who is he? Yeah, Kyler Murray, I think, uh, stands out in a huge, huge way. Uh, I think Kyler Murray is going to be 30% plus owned at 6,800 going against Detroit. Uh, We've seen uh, just an unbelievable start to the season. Number one pick, dare I say, a generational athlete could have played professional uh, baseball. You know, Kyler's legs have just given him a really, really high floor and ceiling. And that offense is clicking. DeAndre Hopkins uh, is a huge addition to that offense. So, Kyler, to me, is the number one rated player by a good margin in my model on Fantasy Labs, and I think will be a really chalky but a must-play for me at quarterback. 
Yeah, he's standing out in all of the models at Fantasy Labs for both DraftKings and FanDuel. Uh, who are some of the running backs you want to invest in? So running back, we're going to have to kind of wait and see. You know, we're recording here on Tuesday. I think there's a lot of options that you can look to. We have all the entries uh, one out for people who drafted at the top with McCaffrey going down. So many entries. So that opens the door for a lot of backups. Um, you know, one guy who's standing out to me that's not a backup but resumed playing last week is Miles Sanders. Uh, 6,400, ton of usage last week. I really like the spot for him going against Cincinnati. Uh, another guy who's kind of splitting time that stands out in the models right now is Josh Kelly, uh, who has a really, really good matchup and looked really good last week. And I think he's going to end up being kind of the goal line guy. Obviously, Eckler, uh, change of pace back, who, who did look good as well. But uh, I think Kelly's going to get a lot of opportunity. And then Kenyon Drake, I think, is another one that uh, stands out um, kind of in that mid-tier uh, with his price tag at only 6K. I mean, I'm bullish on anyone, on everyone for Arizona. All right, what are your thoughts on wide receivers? So wide receiver, there's a lot of directions you can go. I think given the injury to the Colts, to, to Paris Campbell, I think Michael Pittman is going to be pretty popular. You know, DeAndre Hopkins is a stack on the opposite end of the spectrum with uh, Kyler Murray makes a ton of sense given the volume. Uh, still like all the Dallas receivers, C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, and uh, I do think – Michael Gallup is going to have some really big games here. So like those guys. And then, uh, you know, you scroll a little farther down in the models. There's some other guys I think have upside. For tournaments specifically, I like the idea of Deontay Johnson, maybe pair it with Pittsburgh's defense for the double dip. Uh, DJ Moore, I think, will explode at some point. It's a tough matchup, but I think DJ Moore still has a lot of uh, upside. And, yeah, it's a really, really good tournament week. Uh, I'm hoping T.Y. Hilton doesn't burn me like he did last week with that big drop. Uh, I like him, too, at only 5,600 on DraftKings. And what are you thinking at tight end? So tight end, I think the clear-cut value play, uh, just from a points-per-dollar perspective, is Zach Ertz. Uh, price is coming down, 5,100. Still seeing a lot of volume going against the Bengals at home. Uh, just too cheap. Uh, you know, he's right next to Goddard, who I think is a really talented player. Probably, probably the most talented tight end on the team. They're both great. But uh, Zach Ertz, given uh, kind of his role and what we've seen historically, uh, 5,100 is really cheap. Uh, also, like Logan Thomas, uh, 3,700. I think he makes a lot of sense uh, this week against Cleveland at only 3,700. And Dan Arnold, if you're going to stack up uh, Kyler Murray and you want to go away or maybe a double stack with DeAndre Hopkins, Dan Arnold's really cheap at 2,800. So, like those guys, uh, Darren Waller just came off a really good game of Monday Night Football. He has a tougher matchup against the Patriots, but he's another guy to throw in the mix. All right. And are there any under-the-radar game stacks that you found? Yeah, there definitely are a lot of good games. I mean, I, it's easy to say this isn't the underrated part, but if you're going to stack this Arizona-Detroit game, uh, I think you want to do it with different pieces. I mentioned how I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to be really heavily owned. If you're going to do that, maybe you go with Kyler and like Christian Kirk, or maybe you go with Arnold and you run it back a little differently. Um, I think that Kyler is going to be chalky, so I'm, I'm less inclined to do that, but I do think there's still ways you can be contrarian with one of the highest totals on the board. The other high total, obviously, is Dallas-Seattle, which I want pieces of. Um, that could be a little chalky, but sneaky games. Uh, how about this Minnesota-Tennessee game? Uh, I think that game has potential to, to shoot out more than people think. Adam Thielen had a great week one, didn't have the same week in week two. I think he's interesting. And uh, Derrick Henry and these Tennessee Titan guys are, are interesting. Derrick Henry coming up kind of a bust um you know it's it's not ideal to stack a game with a running back like him but he can score quickly uh so that's interesting and i actually am pretty bullish on the titans passing options 
especially if Brown comes back. So that's a sneakier game that the the totals on the rise. And uh, I think Arizona, Detroit, and Dallas, Seattle will catch a lot of ownership. So any game that is not one of those two, uh, I think you're going to catch with really low ownership. So I'd be looking to those game stacks for sure. Awesome stuff. Pete, thanks for dropping in. Thanks so much for having me. NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. Okay, let's get to wide receivers. The guys at the top of our rankings, uh, we have DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, and Julio Jones. Uh, I think no big surprise there, although uh, I would say I'm a little hesitant on Adams just because of the, uh, the ankle injury and then the hamstring issue that he seemed to have. I, I mean, I think he's going to be fine. It seems like that's the, the way this is uh, leaning, but I'm still just a little bit hesitant and uh, want to see some practice reports uh, before you know, really taking a stand on him. But Will, uh, where are you with your rankings? Yeah, I think Hopkins is unquestionably the number one guy right now. They're still feeding him. Great matchup. I think that Adams is there if he practices, but we need to see it happen. And it's, you know, it's not a great – I know the Saints were terrible on Monday night, but Marshawn Lattimore, uh, not necessarily a great matchup. I actually think you can make a case that two and three could be Amari Cooper and DK Metcalf. I like where you're going here because I actually did have Amari number one in my first run through. And then I, I bumped him down. I had him at a 28% market share and uh, that just felt too high. And so I, I bumped him down a little bit. Uh, and now I have him, I think it, you know, only number five, but uh, I totally agree with you uh, in that he's still being targeted very heavily within that Cowboys offense. Uh, I think we're going to see a high scoring game. Um, there's nothing that, the Seahawks defense has done uh, to make me think that they are capable of stopping that Dallas aerial attack. And he's, you know, being targeted, uh, you know, pretty not consistently like far down the field, but like he's getting enough air yardage to where like, if he gets targets, he could get some serious yardage with it. So uh, I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent on Amari Cooper. I'm very interested in him for this week. Uh, Sean, who do you have in the top three? Uh, my top three is, well, I have DeAndre Hopkins, number one, and then Devontae Adams, number two, but he is banged up, so that, that could change. Um, number three is still Julio Jones, but I will say it's basically tied with Julio and Calvin Ridley at number three. Chris, what about you? Uh, Devontae Adams is still in my top spot, but like Sean said, that could change um, depending on his status. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, number two, he would ascend to number one, uh, and then uh, – I believe it's Tyreek Hill, number three for me still. Tyra Lockett and DK Metcalf and Calvin Ridley uh, are also right there in my, uh, you know, pushing for that top spot. So 
Um, it really depends on the injury status of Julio and, and Devontae because th- them with DeAndre would be my top three, assuming health. Uh, but like Cooper, uh, Bockett, Ridley, uh, Metcalf, all those guys are, are, uh, are right there. Yeah, Rayvon, I'm, I'm there with you. I have Tyler Lockett, number three. I have uh, Hopkins and Julio at the top. Uh, Adams is further down the board just because I projected him a little more conservatively because of the injury. But Lockett, Ridley, Amari, and uh, yeah, those are even DJ Moore. But uh, yeah. like those, those guys are all essentially tied for the third spot. But I have the slight edge with Tyler Lockett. Man, I mean, I think that that Dallas Seattle game is just going to be a total shootout. Will who uh, who are some guys that you were relatively high on? Quickly, I would say Odell Beckham. Uh, I led the Odell Beckham. I pounded the table that he would have a bounce back year. Week one was not kind, but week two was pretty good, and he should have really had two touchdowns. Uh, I think he's got a a very nice. Uh, matchup this week against a, a Washington football team that is not we saw what I mean DeAndre Hopkins scored on a wide open touchdown like he, he wasn't even covered they got a good front seven uh, but not nothing on the back end so uh, I'm high on him this week I think Michael Gallup for DFS purposes people are off he's dirt cheap um, CeeDee Lamb I think is a hundred dollars less than Michael Gallup and Gallup hasn't seen a ton of targets but this this game could be wide open enough where Gallup gets a couple of those looks down the field and he finally breaks out and people wonder at like 5% ownership or something like that. And then um, T.Y. Hilton, you know, I think it's probably a Jonathan Taylor game against the, against the Jets. But the Colts could have scored a lot of points against the Vikings. I mean, they had four field goals inside of four, like four, four field goals of 40 yards or less. And if T.Y. can get loose in that secondary against the Jets, I think we could see a big week. Sean, who are you relatively high on? So uh, for the life of me, I can't figure out why DJ Moore's only 6,100. Um, I mean, he's going to be an absolute target monster without CMC. Uh, you know, he has 22 targets after two games, but only 12 receptions. So I think he'll see some regression just in terms of catching balls. Uh, but, you know, at 47.5% of team air yards, he's fourth in the league. So I just think he's due for massive positive regression. Um, so he's my wide receiver 10, but like you guys mentioned, it's really bunched up in the top 10 right now, but I think he has an extremely high floor. I mean, he's basically Julio Jones where he, you know, you can bank on a ton of receptions and yards, but not really touchdowns. So if he gets a touchdown, that's really icing on the cake at this point. Um, and then the other guy is CD lamb. I'm going to continue playing him if he's under 5,500 this week, he's 5,400 at Seattle. Like you said, this should be an absolute shootout. So I have him as a wide receiver two at wide receiver 24. Um, so yeah, like I said, I'm going to just keep taking him until he crosses at least 5,500. Rayvon, what do you got here? I love uh, three guys I mentioned earlier, Cooper, Metcalf, Lockett, uh, right in that 64 to 6,500 range. Um, those guys are, are priced below, you know, like Juju and, and Godwin and Evans and Thielen um, and Stephon Diggs, who has a really tough matchup uh, against the Rams. Uh, and I don't think that should be the case at all. Um, I, I think those guys are all in the conversation for for uh, for top eight. And then DJ Moore, just like Sean said, way too cheap at, at 6,100 as well. Okay. As a uh, longtime fan of Juju Smith-Schuster, it pains me to say this, but uh, Deontay Johnson, I'm pretty high on him this week. Uh, he, in theory, is going to see uh, the shadow coverage of Bradley Roby, which uh, I think is funny that uh, – the Texans are even using Roby in shadow coverage because it's not like he's a, a shutdown corner. He's he's a guy. Uh, if anything, that might honestly be a, a good situation. But I think at a minimum, it's just like 
it's nothing. It's not like a deterrent. And Roethlisberger has shown the willingness for the past two games to pepper Deontay Johnson with targets. And even though Johnson hasn't been Antonio Brown-esque in his ability to turn those targets into a ton of yards, he's still getting Antonio Brown-level usage. Uh, And I think at some point, uh, if he actually is getting that usage, it might indicate that he's probably good enough to do something with that that target volume. Uh, and, you know, we know that he was a good producer in college. Uh, he was very underappreciated in his rookie season. Uh, actually, the, the number one rookie receiver in terms of receptions, even though he wasn't playing with Roethlisberger. So I think there's some some potential here. And that's not to take anything away from from Juju at all. I'm probably high on both of these guys, but uh, Deontay Johnson is much further up the board uh, than I thought he would be. And maybe that target volume doesn't stick, right? That would be the case against him is that like, he's just kind of locked his way into 23 targets in two games and that, uh, that regresses. But uh, I think that this might be, this might be pretty sticky. And if it is, uh, he could just totally explode. Will, who are you relatively low on? Well, I'll pair up my quarterback with a wide receiver here, go with Stephon Diggs. Uh, I just think Jalen Ramsey's probably going to shadow him the entire time. Uh, maybe I could be wrong, but that, that seems like what they'll do. Either way, the Rams have done a great job locking down wide receivers and locking down what should be better passing games than the Cowboys and the Eagles. I don't think we see a massive game from Diggs. I think people will be chasing his breakout against the Dolphins. But, if you again, if you watch the game – there's a shot where like Diggs is running with the ball towards or making a catch. And like Byron Jones is laying on the ground, holding his crotch. Cause he hurt his groin. Like, he's just laying there like French toast and, and Diggs is running with the ball. And I mean, you feel bad cause the guys, you know, ripped his, his, uh, you know, privates up. But uh, like, I, I don't know. I don't think he's going to get that sort of matchup in, in, in this week. Sean, who are you relatively low on? I, I'm also low on Diggs, uh, especially at seven K. This week, uh, the, the arrow is certainly pointing way up for he and Josh Allen. Like I said last week, I thought they were a sneaky s- stack. But um, this week, yeah, I have him at wide receiver 15. Um, uh, he has a tougher test this week against Jalen Ramsey. So I think he could be overowned. Easy fade for me. Uh, but we'll absolutely be stacking him again um, in the near future. And I'm also low on Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. You know, Brady will finally get both receivers back healthy this week. But unfortunately, this is a game where I I could see them being run heavy at Denver uh, against Jeff Driscoll. This is one of those games where it would be nice to have Jameis Winston throw a couple interceptions, maybe a pick six to keep them in the game. But, uh, you know, I just don't see that happening. I think they'll play it pretty safe. So I have both guys as, you know, low end wide receiver twos. I think that just having everybody healthy sort of caps everyone's ceiling. This isn't really a high volume offense quite yet. So uh, I'm low on both guys this week. Rayvon, what about you? Absolutely. Stefan Diggs, he stood out. And I would even say John Brown as well. If you look at the Rams uh, against Pat, against wide receivers, 41 targets uh, for just 300 yards. That's just 7.3 per target. The league average is about 8, 8.1 uh, and no touchdowns through two games on 41 targets. Remember, they faced Amari. They faced, uh, you know, uh, CeeDee Lamb, Gallup, Deshaun Jackson, uh, you know, like a, a decent group of receivers. They've just been shutting them down. Uh, and then uh, another guy a little further down it for me is A.J. Green. Uh, he's been getting a ton of uh, – he's been getting, like, looks from Joe Burrow, and they haven't been really translating uh, all that much. And uh, I just think that against this, this silly defense – 
know, they held McLaurin in check to, to 61 yards and seven targets, no touchdowns. They haven't allowed a touchdown to, to wide receivers. Um, and, and Robert Woods, you know, who had a big week one, uh, he was kind of de-emphasizing the game plan a little bit, um, wasn't able to really break free. Um, just two catches on five targets for 14 yards while uh, Cooper Cup, uh, you know, jumped up with, with five of six for 81. So, and Van Jefferson had four for 45. Uh, I think that Green is a little more similar to, to Woods and that he's probably going to run a little a few more routes on the perimeter. Uh, and I think they're going to have to kind of dial back his usage uh, for at least this game and let Burrow spread it around a little bit more. So, and he just doesn't look back yet, like fully back yet. So um, Green's another guy. Uh, like the targets are there, but um, not not really loving it. All right, one guy I'm relatively low on, and I'd like to uh, second uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers there with uh, Sean low on them. Uh, but one guy I'm low on, uh, Keenan Allen, who had a pretty good game last week. Uh, but I think this week we might see the Chargers go back to Tyrod Taylor, uh, and I think that will not be a good thing uh, at all for Keenan Allen. Uh, and so I have him right now projected outside of, I believe, my my top 36. So thinking of him as more of a wide receiver for this week. Uh, Sean, give us the prop. So it, it gives me great pleasure to be able to ask this question already in week three. Um, I think it's truly a 50-50 prop. Um, so who will score more DK points this week, Julio Jones or Calvin Ridley? That's spicy. I will say Julio Jones because I think everyone, I think the whole world thinks Calvin Ridley will. That is spicy, and I do think that is pretty much 50-50. <laughs> yeah, is it, this is the best-case scenario for Ridley. I mean, Julio's obviously you know, being slowed down by this hammy injury, but him playing with a hammy injury is probably the best-case scenario for Ridley. I think if Julio was like downright ruled out, I might lower Ridley a little bit. But really running, uh, Julio running around – sort of gimpy is sort of best case scenario for Ridley right now. That's a good point. I will, I will take the Ridley side of this uh, just because I, I do think that Julio is, is probably hampered more than we you're, think. You're, you're wish casting your 90 to one lead the league. Yes. <laughs> right now he's, uh, he's in the lead. So I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to I, I got him at 40. So <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to go Ridley because number one, if, if Julio plays even through an injury, That'll be great for him as a decoy for Ridley. Uh, but number two, I usually, you know, knock down guys a percentage um, when they're playing through an injury. So Julio will get that, which will kind of equalize it. Uh, but the right answer may be none of them because this is the Bears have been pretty tough. Uh, it might be Russell Gage. You know, Amendola went for 81 on seven targets in week one. Marvin Jones got held to 55 yards and eight targets. Cephas, 43 yards and 10 targets. Uh, and then, and then last week, Golden Tate wed the Giants with 47 yards, caught five of five. Uh, Slayton just 33 yards on six targets. CJ Board 32 on three. Uh, Shepard just 29 on four. He's playing more outside. And Ratley didn't even catch any of his two. So um, they're playing really good perimeter defense and struggling over the middle. Maybe a Hurst and, and Russell Gage game. Raymond, I love how you took the time to deconstruct the prop. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for doing. Yeah, that. I could I, I could have just floated like you know I'll give you Gage at six to one. Her, oh, six I'll, to take one I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take. No, no, I'm just, I just wanted to point that out. Like, yeah, like, no, don't I agree. Forget about Gage, don't forget about Gage. Yeah. He's playing, playing well. All right, let's get to the tight ends. Uh, the guys at the top of our rankings: Travis Kelsey, uh, Darren Waller, and Mark Andrews. Will, uh, who do you have at the top? That is the same group that I have. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. I mean, Sean, uh, is is that how you had them ranked? I have Kittle up there for now, but yeah, I, I think 
Waller, if Kittle is out, Waller would would probably be my number three. But right now I have Andrews number two. Yeah, Raybon. Uh, how do you have them ranked? I mean, I'll be honest. I have I have Waller number one right now, which uh, is probably aggressive. But given that he has a thirty nine percent target share, which that number has to come down, like it it must come down. But uh, even if it comes down, what does it come down to? Like twenty six. I mean, like he's he's the heart of that Oakland, sorry, that Las Vegas passing offense. Uh, I think he continues to to get targeted at a pretty high rate. Uh, and if that's the case, uh, I have him number one. But where do you have him? Uh, I have him number three. I also don't think George Kittle will play. I may be wrong, but uh, I was reading about Kyle Shanahan, and they said that, that turf in MetLife is really concerning, and they're playing their second straight week uh, on that turf. They're not putting and, him out. They're not putting him out. There. Yeah, and, and they're so they're not going to risk losing Kittle for the season by putting him out on that he, crap turf. Yeah. So ESPN has actually said, you know, quoted Shanahan as saying, "We're going to be careful with our with our guys that are already hurt on that turf." Um, so I'm just not even. I don't even have him ranked right now. So I have uh, Travis Kelsey. Number one, uh, Baltimore's really tough at the corner position. They play tight ends well, too, but um, I think, you know, Kelsey's going to be who he is. He's got the quarterback for it. Uh, and then Andrews, I still got to go number two. Kansas City, Steve Spagnuolo, great, doing a great job. El Jarius Sneed, the cornerback, has allowed, you know, not, I don't even think he's about 100 yards on 12 targets. He's already got two picks. They funnel the football away from receivers uh, kind of on purpose. They like to get you to target, you know, tight ends and backs and things like that. So um, I think Andrews in, in a sh- potential shootout has to be number two. Uh, and then Waller's number three. Uh, Friedman, I- I'm with you on the, uh, you know, the usage is there. Um, I, he actually popped as my number two tight end last week, and I think I lowered him, which was a mistake. Um, but it worries me against the Patriots because going back to even last year, they were lights out against tight ends. And even with those corners, which you wouldn't expect, you would expect the ball to kind of funnel to tight ends last year. It didn't. And then uh, this year, they've continued to just not allow production to the tight end position. Mike Gesicki had a slow game. Greg Olson had Russell Wilson's only blemish of the season, essentially, by dropping a pass into the lap of the defense for his pick six. And then Russell Wilson didn't even look at the tight ends the rest of the game. I mean, Russell Wilson went completely nuclear without even looking at his tight end. So New England doing a good job against tight ends. This probably could be the game where Waller – takes a little bit of a step back. But I still have him number three because the volume is just too too strong. Yeah, I, I hear you there on on Waller and the the matchup. It is tough. I would just say, like, Waller is different than a lot of tight ends that the Patriots uh, have gone against. Uh, one, one thing to your point about Andrews, and we will need to kind of uh, keep an eye on this, uh, Tyron Matthew, uh, people have talked in the past about him playing sort of this safety slot cornerback hybrid role. I think that's been a little bit overblown, but like last week he literally did play slot corner. Uh, and if that happens again, then that means that he won't be matching up against Mark Andrews, which I think would be a, a big check mark in favor of Andrews and what he could do against the chiefs uh, in week three. So something to, uh, to keep an eye on. Uh, Will. Uh, who oh, is, oh, yeah. oh, sorry, real quick. Um, so, was Matthews in the um, healthy last for the last uh, matchup against against them last year, like when they played in week uh, three? Because Andrews actually did have a pretty bad game, uh, just three catches for 15 yards and seven targets. So that's a really great point. 
Yeah, I think Matthew was against him, was the guy matched up against him in week three last year. Uh, so if he's not matched up against, but, but I'm also thinking like they know that Mark Andrews is an important part of that passing offense. They might just shift Matthew back to strong safety for this game. Uh, Will, who are you relatively high on? Uh, a guy I loved in, uh, I've been talking about this Buffalo Miami game. Like, it, like, I don't know why I like it so much. It's Buffalo Miami, but Mike Gusecki looks like he might be actually starting to break out a little bit. And I mean, he made some really athletic catches uh, for Ryan Fitzpatrick. We know that Fitz uh, against the Jaguars on Thursday night is probably going to be have to be throwing the ball a little bit. Decent chance that they're in a positive game script if James if the Jaguars get a lead and James Robinson's running the ball and then they're throwing to Gusecki. Uh, they tend to throw a lot against Buffalo and were successful. I think Gusecki could have another big week this week. Sean, what about you? So I think in DFS, I think I'm going to be spending up at quarterback. I'm going to be spending up at wide receiver, going to be spending up at running back. So I think this week, especially Logan Thomas at 3,700. I mean, he just has an insanely high floor at that price. Uh, he ran around 95% of the dropbacks last week. Leads the team in targets to 17. That's one more than Terry. So I just think given his high floor, you, you got to take him at that price. And the other guy, this is going to make Raybon so happy, is Dan freaking Arnold. Oh, my God. At okay? Welcome. Welcome, Sean. I, like Thomas said, and Arnold. I love it. Like I, like I said before the season started, if you want two catches for 20 yards, Dan Arnold is your guy. <laughs> but, you know, Max Williams was out last week. He might miss again this week. So Dan Arnold's routes run spiked up to 72% last week. That should continue. Uh, if defenses start to really key in on DeAndre Hopkins, which I think they probably it's probably a good idea, Dan Arnold could be one of the guys that benefits, especially at home against the Lions. So I think just if you're going to take a cheap flyer at tight end, Dan Arnold is the man this week. Okay, and uh, Williams is definitely out this week. Uh, he was just placed Perfect. on IR. So, uh, Rayvon, who are you relatively high on? Yeah, I gotta, I got, I've got to run it back with that that Logan Thomas call. I mean, not only is Logan Thomas playing more than pretty much any tight end has over the past couple of years, like you usually see the top tight end pop out at like eighty five percent of the routes, and, and Thomas is pretty much in there every snap. But the the Browns, the opponent this week for the football team, allowing the most points in the NFL to the tight end position. Now that's a very kind of noisy stat, so. Um, you know, you don't want to read too much into it. And they did face Mark Andrews, but they also faced CJ Usama and Drew Sample. And they combined for 11 catches, 87 yards and a touchdown. So uh, the strength of schedule with Mark Andrews do, did them a favor, you know, five for 58 and two scores. But they gave up essentially the same type of line to, to you know, two of the worst tight ends in the week. Uh, Logan Thomas, love him uh, this week in, in all formats. Yeah, uh, totally agree there. Uh, there are a lot of guys who are injured uh, for the the Cleveland Browns uh, just in terms of like their their secondary and linebacker core. So the guys who would normally be defending the tight end just aren't there. Uh, John U. Smith, for me, is a guy that I'm really high on. He's getting more targets than uh, I think he normally would be with uh, A.J. Brown out. So as long as Brown is out and or uh, hampered, uh, I think – Smith is someone I'm going to continue to be interested in. And he's been highly efficient this year, but uh, there's, it's nothing new. Like he's always been highly efficient. He's, you know, got 10 yards per target this year. He had 10 yards per target last year. So he's basically continuing to do John U. Smith things. It's just now that he's getting more targets. Uh, and as long as he continues to see that volume, he's someone I'm going to be extremely invested in. 
Uh, Will, who are you low on? I think I'll be low on the, uh, the Eagles tight ends this week with Ertz and Dallas Goddard. And that's not because they're not great and they could end up you know, making me look like a fool because the Bengals defense is awful. But Sean alluded to it. I think we see a real Miles Sanders game here. And as good as, good as Carson Wentz can be, um, maybe throwing the ball to his tight ends, if you're going to play one of those guys, you, you really sort of want – and maybe, maybe it's going to be a shootout. Maybe the Eagles defense plays awful. But I, I don't know that I trust either one of those guys. Um, and the other guy that I would say is uh, I don't know if I love Hayden Hurst this week. I feel like his touchdown might have been a little fluky. Sean, who are you low on? I'm low on Tyler Higby this week. Um, although at Buffalo is not a bad matchup, but he's 5,900. Um, he's coming off the you know, monster three touchdown game. He's never really been a touchdown guy. So I'll want to see that um, extend beyond one week, but I, I'm just fading him at this price just because his, his routes run per dropback actually dipped to 53%. Gerald Everett really didn't do anything in his 23% of snaps, but still, you know, he's getting some usage, so I think Higby is going to have to maintain this, like, extreme efficiency um, just to keep this up. So I'm fading him this week. Again, you know, if you're in season long, he's still my tight end nine. You're still playing him. But I would definitely lower expectations, and he should not be close to 6K this week. Um, you know, I think he's going to be over-owned based off that three-touchdown game. But I think, you know, he's due for some pretty significant regression this week. Rayvon, what about you? Yeah, I agree on Higby. Uh, I think if you look at Higby, I think Buffalo is actually the worst matchup for tight end. Um, the last two years, they've been top three in yards allowed. They gave up a big game to Mike Gesicki. Why? Because Mike Gesicki uh, ran 26 of his 32 routes in the slot. So he wasn't really a tight end at all uh, against, yeah. against uh, Buffalo. And I think Higby's going to play a little bit more in line because they aren't using Everett a ton. Uh, they're still, they still want to get Cooper Cup lined up in the slot. They're using him every snap. So uh, I do think this is actually a bad spot for Higby, and I'd be concerned all year about, about using tight ends against Buffalo despite that big game from Michael Gusecki. Yeah, and uh, just kind of piggybacking on that, uh, I think I'm relatively low on uh, Gesicki this week, uh, in part just because I could see sort of massive overreaction in the market to, uh, to what he did last week. Uh, okay, Sean, give us the prop for tight ends. Uh, so I'm going to stick with Tyler Higby. Uh, so his receiving yards, um, I have it at 50 and a half. I'll take, and, that, I'll take the under on anything in that game, I think. Okay. <laughs> I just think Rams-Bills is going to be like 17-14. And people are like, yeah, man, that wasn't very explosive. I got him five yards under. I think coming into the year, um, you know, kind of the consensus projection was around 45, 46 yards per game. That's where I have him. Um, so under. I have it at 51. Uh, but I'm going to take the under just to, uh, to have lopsided action here. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now I need him to go over even though I'm fading him. All right. Uh, Will, content, what do you got for us at CBS? What should people check out? Uh, go to, uh, you know, when you're done listening to this podcast, just flip to your little Apple podcast store, your, your Spotify or wherever you are, and download the Pick 6 podcast. We have like eight shows a week. It's out of control. Uh, great football content. Have, have smashed our, have our parlay. We do a parlay every Friday with R.J. White, me, Kenny White, and Pete Prisco. Uh, two for two on the season so far, which can't possibly keep going, but you never know. Maybe you come show up, get a big payout. And, uh, of course, got picks, uh, Sunday recap, uh, everything at CBSSports.com and Twitter at Will Brinson. All right. Be sure to give Will a follow on Twitter. You can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore oddsmaker, Chris Raybon, and Matt at the Oracle. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. Please subscribe to and rate, interview the show, and listen and download on Spotify. See you again next episode.
We're finished talking. 